Once again, it's good to see each and every one of you here this morning. My name is John Stamper, and I'm our ministries pastor here. Uh, we're excited about next week as we dive into Mother's Day, and a special day for all of our ladies. And then post that, Pastor Ray, our lead pastor, will be back and we'll be launching into a brand new series. And I know that you'll be blessed for that. Today, we're going to be concluding our series that we've been over the last couple of weeks titled Beyond Me. And what it looks like to, to really become all that God created us to be, to, to lay down our own desires and really to live in to the expectations and to live and lead in a way that reflects what God created us to be. And we've been looking at that over the last couple of weeks and Pastor even unpacked last week Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2. And that scripture says that it urges us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice which is our holy and pleasing act of service or worship. And to be no longer transformed by the renewing of our mind, but be, I apologize, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And then we'll be able to attest and approve what God's will is. And that scripture goes on in verse 2 and says, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And we desire that, right? We want to know what God's will is for our life and to be able to follow God's will and really become all that God created us to be. To be known as people that love people and encourage people. And in preparation for this talk this morning, I ran across a, a, a kind of a funny statement that talked about two brothers that were anything but that, anything but loving and encouraging. In fact, they were in business and they were known to be individuals that had cheated people, that had manipulated people, that had stolen money from people. And the younger brother actually passed away and the other brother went to the pastor and said, Pastor, I'll tell you what. You know our history and you know what we've done. However, if you will say at the funeral that my brother was a saint, I will give you a large amount of money. The pastor said, I have no problem with that. Write the check. He writes the check. The pastor goes immediately and deposits it. And at the funeral, sure enough, there's the older brother and the younger brother's there. And the pastor talking about the younger brother, the man that had just passed away, said this man had cheated, he had coerced, he had robbed from people, he was a horrible person. However, he was a saint next to his brother. <laughs> so technically he carried his word, right? <laughs> One of our keys is, is that, that we, we want to become all that God created us to be, right? We want to be known for that. We want to live that kind of life. But if we're going to live and embrace his good, pleasing, and perfect will, it begs the question, how do we know that? How do we know the steps that we need to take in our life? Who is actually guiding us? And this morning, we're going to look specifically at that. Who is guiding us? And the leadership of the Holy Spirit and how that looks in our life. And how the Holy Spirit helps guide and lead me by following him. And when we talk about the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost has been said over the years, there's a lot of, lot of preconceived notions or maybe even a lot of things as I was, was a, I was a young man when I would hear people say, John, you know what? We're praying for the Holy Spirit. We're praying for the Holy Ghost to visit you. And I would say, quit doing that. I don't know. This idea of ghosts, that just, as a young man, that wigged me out a little, right? The idea, I didn't know if that looked like Casper or if it looked like the Predator. I, I didn't know what that looked like. But the reality is scripture teaches us something contrary to the fact that it's his love, it's his grace, it's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. 
Throughout the last couple of decades of my ministry encountering multiple evangelicals, the polar opposites of this perspective or this dialogue, this discussion about the Holy Spirit rests a lot of times two polar opposites. One could be overly obsessed, relating into almost strange, mystical-type ways. And on the other hand, I've seen Christians neglect his ministry altogether. They believe the Holy Spirit is, is something that is almost just kind of an idea. It's, it's much like I, I would think about my own pituitary gland. I mean, I'm glad it's there. I know it's essential for something. I don't want to lose it, but, but I don't really interact with my pituitary gland, right? That, that's much like a lot of Christians. They don't, they don't see him as a dynamic person, as, as a part of the headship and the trinity of God, but almost as a theory. Jesus himself when speaking about the Holy Spirit to the disciples, gives an incredibly astonishing promise that the Holy Spirit was going to be to their advantage. John chapter 16, verse 7. John 16, verse 7. Jesus speaking, the Son of God, the Messiah, the one that would die, the one that would raise, the one that would ascend. Here's what Jesus says to his disciples. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good it is for your good that I'm going away. Jesus says, you're going to be better. It is good for you that I leave you. The Son of God says this to his disciples. He goes on to say, unless I go away, the advocate, the spirit, the comforter, he will not come to you. This Holy Spirit. However, when we ask Christians multiple times who they would rather have beside them, Jesus or the Spirit, of course, we could probably guess what most of them would say. Barna Research shares with us this about Christians' view of the Holy Spirit. Close to 60% when, come, when speaking about the Holy Spirit agreed that the Holy Spirit is simply a symbol of God's power or presence, but is not a living entity. This, this may paint a picture why so many struggle with what Jesus was telling the disciples, that they would be better because he comes. The passage that we're going to look at in the book of Acts, even in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit is mentioned 59 times. Out of the 59, 36 of those, the Holy Spirit is actually speaking and directing people. John Newton, in regard to the Holy Spirit in the church, here's what he says. It is really true that which the early church so depended on. The, the leadership of the Holy Spirit seems to be irrelevant to us today. However, for us as believers that are desiring to live beyond, to lead and to live beyond, to become all that God created us to be, we have to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. I, I have to follow the leadership of the Spirit in regard to what it looks like for me to be a, a husband, a Christian husband, a Christian father, a true man of God. I have to have the Holy Spirit embedded into the center of my DNA. And can I share with you, church, that, that can be somewhat challenging as a man today, specifically in our culture. Our culture that says, you must climb the success ladder, you have to look a certain way, everything is up and to the right, and you should never ever reflect or show weakness, especially when it comes to religion or following God. The reality is my life, probably unlike yours, is never just up to the right. My life seems to look more like this, right? Ups and downs, ups and downs. However, in, in order for me to go beyond, in order for us to live beyond me, I must give God every access to my life. And that allows me to say to the Spirit, you have every access to my life. I, I brought with me today, this is one of my hunting gloves. And if I could say that this is, is a Christian, if this is my life, 
then the Holy Spirit and allowing the Holy Spirit and God to have every access of my life. If my hand was God and the Holy Spirit is given every access of my life so that through him, I'm able to become all that he created me to be. I'm able to do the work that God created me for, to reflect that as a husband, as a dad. The Christian is that glove and it's the Holy Spirit in, in that hand that does the work. And I'll share with you, church, even today, I have never truly been able to live or lead beyond me, my own desires, until I have laid down and let God have access to every area of my life. But so many times we find ourselves losing sight of that direction, of that blessing, and if not cautious, we will lose sight of the blessings and the vision that God gives us. The vision to become all that he created us to be, to live beyond in our lives, in our personal lives, in our marriages, in our relationships with our children. And when we lose sight of that vision, when we lose sight of that blessings and the direction that God has us, many times it will lead to fatigue. It leads to mental fatigue, stressing over where I am. Is this a job? Is this the house? Is this the relationship? I mean, I'm just so stressed over that. And because we're stressed over that, it compounds into physical fatigue. I can't sleep. I can't eat. My body's off. I don't know if I should take different vibes. I don't understand. And because of that, it bleeds over into spiritual fatigue. Instead of seek first the kingdom of God, we're exhausted in the morning and stressed at night. And it has catastrophic impact on our life. Versus just allowing God to lead us. Now, with that all said, here's the great news. <laughs> the great news is that God has given us, you and I as believers in Christ, a comforter, a counselor, a leader. He has given us the Holy Spirit to guide us. One that will help us conquer those areas of fatigue even in our lives. And I just want to take the next few moments that we have today, and I want to look at a passage of Scripture that illustrates this, and then we're going to unpack some practical steps that we can take to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us in our life. So if you have your Bible this morning, I would love for you to turn to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. If you're a guest with us this morning, that pew Bible, if you don't have a Bible, or if you're a member even and don't have a Bible, that one that's in the pew in front of you is our gift to you this morning. You can turn to page 1109, and we're going to pick up reading there in just a few moments. Before we dive into Acts 16, I think it's important for us to understand that in Acts 15, there's something very unique that's happening. Paul, who feels called, who feels the leadership of the Spirit to go and to share God's truth, to go and, and to reach people for Christ, encounters some incredible roadblocks. And the Apostolic Council, or the fathers at that time, finally give him approval, and they settle on the fact that God wants all people to come to know Christ. And there's this freedom given to Paul to go and to share with the Gentiles and to be able to go and tell people about Christ. And it is just like the Kentucky Derby and those thoroughbreds out of the gate, Paul Paul gets that green light and he is gone. He is off. And we pick up in Acts 16 and we'll begin reading in verse 6. And we find Paul here and his team. Acts 16, beginning in verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching. You may want to underline that, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Messiah, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them. You may want to underline that. The Spirit kept them, and the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them. So they passed by Messiah and went to Troas during the night. 
Paul had a vision. You may want to underline that. He had a vision. He had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over here to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. This first step is to Macedonia, but for whatever reason, there seems to be these divine signposts to point to this being negative, not to go that way. And we see in this passage repeatedly, God's spirit kept redirecting their journey, blocking their path in verses 6 and verse 7. They wanted to go this way, but the spirit withheld them. He spoke to them. They kept them from going in that direction. He, he redirected them. It is as though this divine GPS was neglecting to tell these evangelists where to go, but continue to produce clear roadblocks, clear roadblocks that move Paul. And then finally, we see in verse 9, this vision is given to Paul of this man in Macedonia. And instead of Paul acting on his desires of what he wanted, he said, I want to I live beyond me and follow the Spirit. And he says yes to that. And we see after this passage of Scripture that Paul goes from here and meets a lady named Lydia. Lydia is a dealer in purple. She's a businesswoman. She's from Thyatira. Chances are she was Asian. Paul shares the gospel with her at a Bible study, and Lydia accepts Jesus Christ as her Savior. And Lydia is the first member of the church of Philippi. And after that, we see Paul continue to share the gospel, and we see a young Greek slave girl, and she accepts Christ and is added to the church of Philippi. And post that, you'll read in Acts 16, that there is the jailer. Chances are a former Roman military guy. Here's this jailer that is there, and because of their example of staying in the jail instead of running, not only does the jailer come to know Christ, he takes Paul to his house, and they all accept Christ, and thus launches the Philippian church. How cool is that? Here's Paul wanting to go this way, and the Spirit literally redirects him to go another way, and because of that, we see Paul living and becoming more than God, or what God created him to be, and living beyond me. This is a great example of the Holy Spirit leading people in their life. And when it comes to you and I, what, is, what does that look like in us? I mean, this was in the book of Acts thousands of years ago in 2017. What is, John, what does that look like for me today? How do I allow the Holy Spirit to lead me today? Well, in, in the next just very brief minutes that we have together, we're going to look at this morning five practical ways the Holy Spirit, this is like the high five, right? The five ways the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us on a daily basis. So if you've got that bulletin, I want you to pull it out. I want you to grab pen, pencil, lipstick, mascara, whatever you can find, all right? I'm going to give you real quickly five things to write down. I've shared this with you guys before, but you'll forget 80 to 85% of what you hear within 24 hours if you don't write it down. The reason I know it, I wrote it down. You see how it works, right? Here we go. Five practical ways the Spirit guides us. If we're going to become all that God created us to be, if we're really going to live to this fruition, how, how, do, we, how do we follow this in our lives? First and foremost, step number one, the way the Holy Spirit guides us, is in the gospel. In the gospel. And what's great about this is that Paul actually equates the fullness of the Spirit with going deeper in the gospel, deeper in the relationship with Christ. Paul goes on to write to the church at Ephesians, at Ephesus, in chapter 3, verses 14 through 18. I'll read it to you. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, 
from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, here you go, that he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit in your inner being, in your soul, in your heart, in your spiritual DNA, in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together in all the Lord's holy people to grasp, look at this, how wide and how long and how deep is the love of Christ. Here's here's what Paul's saying. He says, he equates the knowledge and the love of Christ in the gospel and being filled with the fullness of Christ, they're synonymous. They are the same thing. He's saying the reality is, is that when we understand Christ and we are in this relationship with him, we are able to embrace the fullness of Christ. And when we do that, here's what's awesome. When we embrace the gospel, the love of Christ, the sanctification, the forgiveness, the acceptance of that relationship, it changes us, right? It changes who we are. Our actions look different. The Spirit begins to to lead us in a different way that's no longer about me, but it's about God and about His will. I came across an article recently about a gentleman that became a new believer, and he wrote a letter to the IRS. Here's what he says. Dear sir, I have just become a follower of Christ, a Christian, and I have found that I cannot sleep at night. So here is $100 that I owe you. P.S., If I still can't sleep, I will send you the rest. (laughs) The Holy Spirit in us, the gospel in us, it changes us, right? We begin to look differently, lead differently. It's that that intimate relationship with Christ. Puritan Thomas Goodwill says this, and I love this, when he talks about a father swooping up his son in an embrace. He describes it as this. He says, the father would say to the son, you are my son and I love you. In that moment, the boy has become no more his father's son, legally speaking, than he was the moment before. But being caught up in his father's arms, he feels the sonship more intimately. When we embrace the gospel in Christ, we feel the sonship Right? We, we feel the intimate embrace of our Father who knows us, who loves us, who cares about us, and is directing our paths because we are his children that he loves. The first place that we encounter the leadership of the Spirit is in the gospel, in the relationship with Christ, in his love. Secondly, we encounter the gospel through the word of God. Through the word of God. Our, I apologize. The Spirit, through the word of God. He guides us through his word. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever been this way, and I probably know no one in this room has, but I have been at a place even earlier in my life where I was looking for leadership or guidance from God, and I might open up the Bible and close my eyes and point to a verse. And once again, I know no one in here has ever done that, right? But I would point to a verse, and I would look for that. Can I share with you, Scripture has so many truths. I'm reminded of a story I read about a gentleman that did just that. And here's what he landed on. He landed on Matthew 27, verse 5, that says this. Then Jesus went, or Judas went out and hanged himself. So he thought, you know, I may want to try that again. So he opened up his Bible, and he, and he landed on another one. Luke 10, 37, and the scripture said, go and do thou likewise. He said, I, I may want to give this another shot. So he did it again. He landed on 1327 of the book of John, which says, what you're about to do, do quickly. (laughs) 
Scripture's not meant just to be a gauntlet, right? It's for us to open, to read, and, and to digest His Word and His love for us. The Spirit's primary vehicle for moving and speaking in our lives today is, is the Scripture, it is the Word of God. Even in Scripture, almost every time we see the will of God in the Bible, it refers to Him shaping and adjusting and, and shaping us in the way, just like that chisel on that video last week, that we would reflect the image of God. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 16, verse 9, here's what it says. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Isn't that great? That he's establishing our steps, that he's leading us. You see, the scripture helps to establish our steps and equip us for that next step. The Holy Spirit guides us in, in the gospel, in our relationship with Christ, in the scripture, using the scriptures to, to lead us in our life. Thirdly, we see the Holy Spirit guides us through the church, through the church. I mean, when we look through the book of Acts, I mean, outside of Scripture, throughout the book of Acts, the church is the most common way that the Spirit guided the apostles early on. For example, Acts chapter 13, verse 2. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, once again, one of those speaking parts, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. I mean, even in this passage, God gave the church specific insight for Paul to take these people and to, to follow them and to use them in ministry. And Paul received this instruction. And I can't find anywhere in Scripture or in my experience as a minister over 20 plus years where God has stopped speaking this way, using the children of God to encourage and to speak to other children. Amen? That, that he uses the church for that. And that's why it's so important you hear Pastor and I consistently encourage people, get connected, get in a group, get a part of a community of people that can encourage you, that can help shape you, that can pray for you, that can cry with you, that will laugh with you, but will be there with you. That's this incredible experience that you find in a community. Get, get people around you that, that care about you. Unlike not long ago, I was hunting, and I was coming back to this house. And I had a good friend of mine with me, and we were coming up to this house, and we had to cross this little ditch area. And there was this particular fence, and this fence was a very shiny colored one-wired fence. And this fence went up to the house, and it went to a box that was plugged in. You guys with me? So here I am getting ran across this electrical fence, and I'm coming up to this place. And it's, it's really too high for me to step over. I'm thinking, well, maybe I can... I'll just have to crawl under it. And I began to crawl under this fence and I had a bow in my hand. I had a, a pack on and I started going under this fence. And I noticed I got caught on something. And about the time I was trying to figure out what I was going to get caught on, oh, right? it shocked me, right? What had happened while I was trying to go under this fence, this thin wire got caught between my pack and the back of my neck. And about the time I was like, I turned to a good friend of mine, Jeff, that was with me. I said, Jeff, am I going, he just started just shocking me and shocking me. And I was trying to get unhung. I mean, I'm getting frustrated about the time. And I look over at my good friend, Jeff, and do you know what he's doing the entire time? Yeah, that's exactly right. He is just laughing and pointing, right? Why, why, why share that? Because you don't need friends like that in your life, right? <laughs> You need people that can be around you, that can encourage you. That's why we say get in a group, get in a D group. Man, to, even today, I mean, we've got, that's why we do group link, right? We've got lunch today after this service. 
don't know how to get connected to a group, I'll be over there. We'll have others. It's just a great way to learn about how to do that. We have some incredible Italian cuisine that we're bringing in called Subway. But anyway, I mean, <laughs> get connected to a group. Holy Spirit will use those people in your life to encourage you. Number four, the Holy Spirit speaks to us and guides us in our spirit, in our inner being. Throughout Scripture, we see that God guides his people in mission by putting special burdens in their heart, on their minds, internally. Nehemiah in chapter 2, verse 12, as he was preparing to go build the wall, he's broken over this. In Nehemiah, we see that he cries, he weeps, and he mourns, he fasts, he prays before he goes to work. He's broken over this in his spirit. The Scripture says in verse 12, chapter 2, it was put into his heart, into his spirit. Even when Paul came to Athens, Luke records his spirit was provoked. It was encouraged. It was, it was prodded. It was, it was something that was incredibly personal to Paul. Acts 17, 16, we see this. And eventually, it took his provocation, his direction to stay. And he preached the gospel. And, of course, the rest is history. That God used him for that. Throughout our lives, we at times experience the Holy Spirit in us, leading us and guiding us. Even when we can't see it, we know in our hearts, in our spirit, that he's there. It's, it's like the little boy that was flying a kite. He started his kite and it got higher and higher. It got so high, he literally couldn't see his kite anymore. And an elderly gentleman came walking by. He goes, what are you doing? He said, I'm, I'm flying this kite. He goes, well, how do you know you're flying a kite? He said, because I can feel it. We may not be able to see the spirit, but we can feel it, right? It's in us. It's guiding us. It's leading us. Changing us, redirecting us, shaping us in the image of Christ. Last but not least, the Holy Spirit guides us through our circumstances. Throughout Paul's life, we see multiple open doors and closed doors. And there are evidence of the Spirit's leadership. Even, even as he writes in 1 Corinthians, he explains that he will stay in Ephesus and preach because a wide open door is there. And because of that, there was effective work for the gospel in Ephesus. There's no special prophetic word. There's no vision. No handwriting on the wall of the sky. No miraculous sign. Just an open door that agreed with his spirit and coincided with the call that God had given him. When those circumstances come up, you can, you can take that grid of God's word, of the church, of your internal spirit, and it acts as a buffer to determine if that is God's will. I've had people literally in my office praying for a job. John, would you pray that I would have a specific job that looked like this, and I need this much salary? Absolutely. Let's pray for that right now. And finish praying and say amen, and God bless you, and they'd be on their way and get a phone call and them say, hey, I just got a phone call from a company of the position that we just prayed for and the money we just prayed for. You think you ought to take it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> God speaks to us through those circumstances. As a follower of God, he, he loves us, right? He desires what is best for us. I know personally, I've been at a place in my life when I wasn't following God's will. And, and I'll share with you, it was probably one of the most frustrating seasons of my life. 
mentally, physically, spiritually, just fatigued, exhausted. Gene and I were both working at a bank, great jobs, great, but I wasn't following the will of God. We, we could pull some buses out up front, and we could all pile on those buses and have a road trip. We could go to Owensboro, Kentucky, my hometown. I can take you to Parish Plaza Drive. I could take you to that apartment that we were living in while we were building our home, and I could point to that bedroom and say, right there, that, that is the place that I gave God access to my life, and he filled every area of my life. Jeannie was asleep, and I had my hands lifted in the air laying there, and I had snot bubbles and tears, and I was down in the place, and I just said, God, I am surrendering everything over to you. And it was at that place in my life, in our home, and in our marriage, in our relationship, that God showed up, right? And it was at that point that I surrendered my life, even to ministry. And the passage of Scripture that God used was Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. I don't know where you are today, where you are in your relationship with Christ today, but you can begin today to allow God access to all of your life, to allow the Spirit to truly lead you. So you could live and lead beyond, become all that God created you to be. Oscar Wilde said this, every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. And the future that we have with Christ, the future that we have when we surrender and allow the Holy Spirit to lead us. Friend, you can, you can begin today. Give him access to flood every area of your life and encounter the incredible blessings that God has for you. Whether you've been a believer, as we saw in the baptistry at the first service, for a few weeks, maybe you've been a believer for 50 years, but never truly allowed the Holy Spirit to lead you. It's like an article I read recently of a 90-year-old woman who won a 10K marathon. And they were interviewing her, they said, could you tell us about your career? She said, it's not much of a career. I started running marathons when I was 78. <laughs> It's never too late to start, right? It's not how you start, it's how you finish. That we'd finish strong for Christ. If, you, if you're here this morning, if, if I were you, I'd be asking this morning, John, what, what happens to my life? What does my life look like if I surrender everything over to Christ? If I allow the Holy Spirit to fill every area of my life? If you've not written anything else down today, I would encourage you to write these last three things down. These are the benefits of surrendering your life to the Holy Spirit and allowing Him to lead you. First and foremost, we receive confidence. Confidence that He, our Father, who loves us, that knows us, that desires the best for us, we receive confidence that He is in control. Not the economics, not the economy, not our association leader, not our business, our work, God is in control. And I can stand flat-footed in that confidence that as a son of God, I am where I need to be. And because of that, I not only have that confidence, but he gives me peace. Peace that surpasses all understanding, right? That I can come to him with all of my burdens and he will give me peace. I can bring to him where I am financially. I can bring to him the relationship. I can bring to him what we're struggling with at home. And he will give me peace. And because of that peace, I'm able to encounter freedom. 
right? Freedom, freedom from the pressures of this culture, freedom from what you should be according to someone, freedom to the house that you should have, the car you should have, the school you should attend, the friends at the lunchroom table, right? I've got, I've got freedom to be one of the greatest things that have ever happened to me. I've got the freedom to be the son of God, right? That I can, I can come into this room with whatever frustrations in my marriage or our children or our finance, but I can leave here today choosing to encounter confidence and peace and freedom in Christ. Allowing the Holy Spirit to have every access, every area, flooding every place in my life and following Him in those steps. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? If you're here this morning, and once again, I, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe you're a couple today and, and really you came to church today not knowing what your next steps are in your marriage. My prayer would be that you would, you would follow the steps of Paul, and that you would lay your life down and just let God minister to you in your life. Maybe you're a senior in high school or someone that's struggling about where your next steps are in education. And just let God lead you. Follow those practical steps, but it begins with you saying yes to God. Maybe you're here this morning, you can say, John, I, I, I don't even know Jesus. I would love to. I'd love to have that relationship with him. Can I share with you this morning? You're in a really great place. I, would, I personally would love to talk to you about the love of Jesus, how you can have that relationship with him, how he can become real to you, an intimate relationship with Christ. I'm going to pray for us in a moment. We're going to stand up. Karma's going to lead us in a song. We're not going to be here long this morning. But if you would like to come and pray, just by yourself at the altar if you'd like to talk to myself or anyone. I'd love to encourage you to do that. Don't leave this room today with the same frustrations that you came in here with today. Leave knowing that you have that confidence and the peace and the freedom in Christ as the Spirit leads you.